12. Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, I hope that this morning was a help to you and I hope you nailed down some of this ideal about temptation being connected to lie. I'm telling you, I believe it's pivotal to fighting temptation in your life is to realize you've been lied to. Something that I failed to mention this morning, we talked about the lies of the devil. But a lot of times, the devil don't even have to lie to us because we lie to ourselves. You'll have to admit, and probably more than anybody else, person that has lied to me the most has been myself. So uh, I want to deal tonight and continue into this thought of, uh, continue into this thought, we got some folks locked out so they're trying to get them in, continue into this uh, thought on uh, temptation and uh, there's a portion of it I didn't cover this morning. And to be honest, I had it in my outline earlier this week, and when I got to looking at it, I said, that is too much. <laughs> I need to cover that in another service. And so I just, I just chopped it off. My sermons are kind of like baloney. You can just cut them off anywhere, and <laughs> they work out just fine. <laughs> this one verse of Scripture, Hebrews 12, wherefore seeing... We are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name that you'd help us tonight. God, I pray that you'd impart some truth. Lord, how great it was to see this truth this week, and I pray that you'd help us to share it with your people tonight. Do that now as only you can, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. This morning we talked about, preached to you a little bit about how that you had to recognize your inability or realize your inability to help yourself. Overcoming temptation is not a self-help program. Then we talked about how that you had to recognize the lie associated with the temptation. Every temptation has its own lie, every last one. And then we talked about how you had to replace that lie with the truth. And we looked at how Jesus being tempted in the wilderness Recognized the lie of Satan, tore down the stronghold, replaced it with truth. And certainly I believe that is effective way, that's an effective way to get around kind of your everyday temptation. But all of us tonight have that one thing. It's that thing that for most of our lives has had our number. It's the temptation that gets us going. So I want to preach a little while tonight on how to rewire our brain. 
There has to be a rewiring. Uh, Now notice what Paul said here. He said, let us lay aside every weight. Then notice the wording. And the sin. He didn't say, let us lay aside a sin. He didn't say, let us lay aside the sins. But he said, lay aside the sin. It's that one. That one that Paul says here so easily besets us. That sin that always sets us back. That sin will be going along pretty good, but then there's that one sin that sets us back. Paul said it's the sin. Everybody in here tonight, I believe, has the sin. The one that the devil uses most prominently in your life. And it's one thing... For us to just the typical temptation, it's one thing for us to be able to tear down that, grab that lie, tear it down, replace it with truth. That'll work on most typical temptations, but when it comes to the sin, it's going to take a little more, a little more attention. I'm talking about that one you obsess over. I'm talking about that one that always gets you. Everybody's got one right now on their mind. I've got, and sometimes it can be a couple of things. I'm thinking tonight about my sin of worry. I realize it's a problem. I'll be honest with you, it's a problem I've made light of over the years. But over the last little bit that the Lord has showed me more and more how serious my sin of worry is. And I fall into it again and again, particularly when it comes to my health or the health of my family. I fall into it again and again and again. I awfulize it, worry about it. And so that is one of my besetters. It's something that I always fall back on. I don't know what yours may be. Yours may be lusting over the opposite sex. It may be being self-deprecating, playing the victim. I mean, it could be a thousand different things that's got you hooked. And it seems like, it seems like the devil knows how to get you. But it's not that. I'm going to show you tonight what it is. I'm a thousand percent sure. Here's what happens. A sin that you do over and over and over again. That's what we're talking about tonight. It has become a habit. You've done it and you've done it and you've done it. You feel guilty about it. But you've done it and you've done it and you've done it. I want to talk to you about that kind of sin just a little bit, and how that we can attack it in such a way. The truth is, when you find what it is that you like, whatever it is, maybe it's gossip, maybe it's things on the internet, pornography, maybe it's listening to the wrong music, watching the wrong shows, 
Maybe it's, I don't know, they, I, could, I could sit here and name sin after sin after sin. And maybe eventually I'd hit on yours, but it may be something that I've not even mentioned today. But when you do it, in your brain, you get a hit of dopamine. And your flesh, which is your brain, says, I like that. I want more of that. That brings me excitement. That excites me. That, that stirs me up. And so what happens is that we feel like the devil kind of fishes for us and figures out which uh, bait works and he continues to throw the bait and that seems like good preaching but it's not reality did you know the devil can only be one place at a time and you're not a big enough fish I hate to bust your bubble you're not a big enough fish for the devil to be constantly working on you I'm not a big enough fish either amen what happens is your flesh finds that one thing And whether you realize it or not, it seeks it out. You do. You sabotage your own life. I sabotage my own life. We find that thing that's destructive to us, and then we seek it out, seek it out, seek it out. And it becomes our besetting sin. And it's our fault. That's uncomfortable truth. It's easier in a Baptist church to blame everything on the devil. Like Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. That's the easiest thing to do. Well, the old devil. It's hard for me to look in the mirror and say, right there's my devil. Right there's the one that's causing me to do the things I'm doing. Right there's the one that's sinking me into the problems I've got. It's not the devil, it's my flesh that's sinking it out. And you go deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. I just got two little points tonight. I want to first of all talk to you about the rut of sin. I was reading in an article this week about Alaska. Never been there, but they say that Alaska has two seasons, winter and July. That's what they got. And they say in July, when Alaska thaws out, all of the roads have big, deep ruts in them. And they say that at the beginning of a lot of those roads, there's a sign up that says, choose your rut carefully. You're going to be in it for a while. They say that you can turn loose of the steering wheel and the car will drive itself. You're in a rut. I remember one time me and Randall went up on Bob White Drive to check on a fella. And we was in that old uh, Tahoe and, uh, that I used to drive for the sheriff's office. And you ain't never seen such a road in your life. We was going up through there, son, in a rut down in the mud. Randall said, you better be careful. You're going to run off the side here. I turned loose the steering wheel. I said, I ain't driving no how. It's the ruts. There wasn't nothing I could do about it. I was in a rut. I was going the way the rut was going. It didn't matter, like it or not. That's the way I was going. Well, that's the way we do in our lives. Certain of these besetting sins become a rut to us. Let's just be honest. And we drop off in it occasionally, and it's like we can't get out of it. We want out of it. I'm not belittling that at all. You know, I believe there's people that are addicted to substances and sins and pornography and all kinds of different things 
that really do want out of it. They'd like to get out of it. I've never met a dopehead that once they come off of it in the jail that really wanted to go back to it. They walked off of it, but they're in a rut. And only Jesus can deliver you from a rut of sin. It takes Christ to do that. It's the only way it can be done. So we drop off in a rut. Now I want to show you a few things. There's a couple of sides to this. We're going to talk about the difference between a rut of lies and a trench of truth. That's, that's what we're going to think about tonight. And there's a physical side to it as well as a spiritual side. Science would tell us, don't let me bore you, but science would tell us that when we do something over and over and over again, the Bible or the, the, the brain creates what is known as a neuropathway. It's a shortcut. It's a, it's a shortcut in the brain that makes it easier for us to do. Now listen to me. This afternoon we were driving. We left out of here and we were driving to Beverly's. Reagan was driving us. And she said, driving's hard. I said, what? She said, yeah, there's so much to think about. You've got to try to stay in the road. You've got to think about pushing the gas. You've got to think about pushing the brake. When to turn the signal light on. What other cars are doing. She said, it's hard. But any of you that's been driving for any length of time in here don't think driving's hard. At one time you did, but you don't anymore. But why? Because you've done it over and over and over again, and your, your brain has, con, has created a neural pathway. And how many times have you driven somewhere, gotten out of the car, and thought, I don't even remember driving up here? And you did 10,000 things to get here, but you don't even remember it because your brain has created a shortcut. It says this is what we do. We do it over and over again. So your brain creates a shortcut so you can do it without thinking. In the tactical world, we call it muscle memory. It's why we carry our guns, same place all the time, get our hands accustomed to doing that. That way our hand does the same thing every time. The draw stroke's always the same. All of that, we call it muscle memory. All it is is a neural pathway. The brain creates a shortcut. Think about a soldier that's coming home from war. Thunderstorm comes. Soldier bells out of the bed, reaches for a gun that's not there, climbs up under the bed. He thinks he's under attack. Somebody said, well, he's crazy. No, when he was in war, his brain created a neural pathway. It said, this is a shortcut. When there's a loud noise, you're going to die. Get under something. So the brain creates that neural pathway so that he does it automatically. The same is true with a sin that we commit over and over and over and over and over again. It creates a rut in our brain where it becomes easier and easier and easier to do. And we've got to recognize that there's some sins uh, that are in our head and in our brain. Uh, well, no wonder Paul said, gird up the loins of your mind. In our brains, it's a shortcut. That besetting sin of yours, I guarantee you got a neural pathway to do it. See, a lot of times preachers just want to think about the spiritual side, and there's a spiritual side to this. But I'm going to tell you, we all live in a fleshly body, and there's a physical aspect to everything we do. 
I'll guarantee it. The spiritual and the physical are put together in your body. It's time that we started owning both segments of that thing and realizing that one influences the other. And if we're going to win a war, it's not just, you know, oh, well, we'll try and do better. We'll try and figure it. No, there's an actual science to it. There's a process to it. It's spiritual and physical. So we got this rut. We've dug it over the years by doing it again and again and again and again. Let me give you some examples. I'll just throw these out. You're sitting at home alone. You're bored. You start surfing the internet. Just clicking around, clicking around. Suddenly you come up on a website with some suggestive photos on it. Maybe it's not anything terrible bad. But it excites you, you get that hit of dopamine, your boredom suddenly goes away, you start feeling better, and a neural pathway without even recognizing it inside your brain gets formed. Sin has made a rut inside your brain, just like that. Now you've got a trigger. Every time you get bored, what do you do? You reach out for that thing that your brain says that will heal our boredom. I'm telling you, there's more to this than you know. You're feeling unworthy, unloved in life. Today's been a bad day. You feel terrible. You look in the mirror on your way home. You stop at a store. You take out a credit card, spend money that you don't have, buy clothes that you don't need. Put the clothes on and suddenly you feel better. (laughs) You've created a neural pathway. When I feel bad, I'll spend. That's how people get in debt over their head. It's a sin, by the way. Boy, I'm preaching on some stuff that you never thought you'd ever hear preached about. Amen. Now you've created a trigger. Every time you feel bad, every time you don't think you look good, you go out and buy a new dress. Or you men go out and buy another gun. Say amen right there. Because that makes us feel good. So we go out and spend money that we don't have so we can feel better. It's created a rut in our brain. You're an emotional wreck. You've had a knockdown dragged out with your spouse. You've gotten a mean email from your boss. What do you do? Even though you ain't smoked in years, you stop on the way home and buy a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> Did that one time at Summit Building Supply. I'd done good. I quit, I quit smoking for two years and had a man mean mouth me and stopped at Max Blues and busted it all to pieces. So I smoked the whole pack before bedtime. I mean, I was chain smoking, lighting one off the other. What else do you do? You stop at the grocery store and buy a box of ice cream, eat the whole thing. Suddenly, there's a hit of dopamine in your brain and you feel better. So you create a neural pathway, a rut in your brain. It says, okay, next time that you feel bad, go get you a pack of cigarettes, buy you a carton of ice cream. You see how this works? That's how sin gets us in our brain, physically. But beyond that, there's a spiritual side. You see, inside of us is the Holy Ghost Spirit of God. And what does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? Grieve not the Holy Spirit of promise. And so every time we come, the first time you, can, you commit that sin as a Christian, you feel all awkward. You immediately feel like you ought to pray about it. You feel like you ought to get it right and you say, I'm never doing that again. Oh boy, that was terrible. 
But what you've done is you've created that rut in your brain and it's the shortcut and it's the thing you want and your flesh creates it and your flesh craves it and your flesh says go and do it. And so you give in and you give in and every time you give in, you grieve the Holy Spirit and grieve the Holy Spirit and grieve the Holy Spirit until you get to the place where you can't hear him convicting you over that sin anymore. And you start thinking, well, he don't care. He's let me go about this particular sin, but he does care. Amen. It's still my matters. It's you. It's your way of thinking. That's the problem. You've created a rut of sin. Now, what did I tell you this morning about Satan and his lies? The only way to fix it is to tell the truth. The truth will set you free. So when you've dug a rut of sin and you've got a besetting sin, the only way to fix it is to dig a trench of truth deeper than the rut of sin. I'm going to show you how to do that tonight. That's what I'm going to show you how to do. A rut is accidental and aggravating. A trench has to be dug on purpose. Let's say you're like me. Your sin is worry. And it's your besetter. You're in it deep. Well, when the devil says, why don't you worry about that? Or when the flesh says that. When the flesh says, worry about this, worry about that. You can grab a hold of it and say, that's a lie. For me to to do that, I've got to not believe that God really loves me or take care of me. So I know you're lying to me. I know you're lying to me. And the truth is that the Bible said, be careful over nothing. I can say that, but it don't help. That's the problem. That, tr- that I don't want to call it a trick. That Bible truth I showed you this morning works for just everyday, you know, everyday temptations. But when it comes to our besetting sin, we're going to have to have more than that. And I, God, I hate to tell you this. It's going, to take some, it's going to take some commitment on your part if you want out of it. Once you've dug a trench, once you've dug a rut, it takes, it takes some commitment to get out of it. You got to want to. You got to want to let the Lord help you. You really do. A couple of things. Number one, you need to study it out. More than just one verse. More than just one idea. You need to study it. Have a list of verses, write the verses down. Realize that that is the truth in life concerning your sin. If your problem is lust, write every verse on lust and adultery down that you can find in the Bible. Read them, memorize them, study them out. Say that right there is what the Bible says about it. I'm not going to believe those lies of my flesh and of the devil because I've got all of this scriptural truth. I've studied it from one end to the other. I, I know what the Bible, I know the truth about it. You've got to get deep in it. More than just having one verse to say, you got to get deep. So it takes studying it. But then let me say this, it takes writing it down. I know this sounds silly, but there's something about putting words on paper. When you write something down, it takes a different meaning to you. You should write the verses down, but also 
What I would encourage you to do if you want to get over a rut of sin and dig a trench of truth, what I would encourage you to do would be to write down some form of a declaration. Maybe it could go like this. Somebody back there, see who that is at the door if they need in. If it's a bad guy, punch him in the nose and I'll come back there and deal with it. Very good. Come on in. So there's a there's this thing of writing it down, putting it on paper. For instance, when it comes to the besetter that I've been talking to you about, when it becomes comes to the besetting sin of worry, I might write this down. I might say worry is and always has been a complete waste of my time. I'm talking about writing this down. The devil wants me to believe that the Lord does not care for me, but that is a lie. The Lord has taken care of me and my family my entire life. He's been faithful and won't stop now. I can trust him in every situation, and I'll trust him again today. I'm talking about my besetting sin. If I want over it, I got to write them verses down. I got to write my declaration down. And then I've got, hey, I have got, I've got to declare it and confess it as true and trust God to do it in my life. I'm talking about digging a trench of truth that's deeper than the root of sin that I'm in if you want to rewire your way of thinking it's going to take more than just a casual observance some of you deal with anger anger and bitterness you don't get that way overnight and you don't fix it overnight The flesh and the devil tells you things like, you're right, you des- they deserve it. <laughs> you're right, they're wrong. This is right, they're wrong, you're always right. You know the flesh rarely ever tells you you're wrong. The only time that your flesh is ever going to tell you you're wrong is in dealing with this thing we've been preaching on today. When you start telling your flesh you're a liar, you start telling your flesh, I'm going to take care of this sin. You're not going to own me. You're not going to decide who, what I am going to do. I'm going to be the boss of my own world. I'm going to trust God and through his deliverance power, I'm going to overcome something. When you start saying that, all of a sudden the flesh will say, you're wrong. Don't do that. Don't do that. God started dealing with me this week on these thoughts. And so I decided I'd put them into, I'd put them into use. I started thinking about how I could do it. Some of the things that come up in daily life. I'll try to use it. We saw a lady at the grocery store. She ought to have had more clothes on. I'll just be honest. I thought, I'm going to try to use this. My eyes, made a covenant in my eyes. Why should I look on a maid? And I was like, huh, that worked. How about it? 
this week, I got thinking about a financial situation, started to get worried. And I thought to myself, be careful over nothing. Never get thing give thanks, for this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you. First thing you know, I felt better about it. I grabbed a hold of that lie, and I said, the lie is, in the first instance, that it don't matter if I look. That's a lie. The lie in the second instance is that God can't take care of me. He don't know how to take care of me. That's a lie. I taught a concealed class yesterday. Had 19. Boy, I was tickled. Made a pretty good payday. Yesterday afternoon, I got things that I can spend that on. I was calculating my tithe out of it. The old flesh for just an instant said, you can't afford to give that. Come on now. It don't hurt to tithe when you're making $400 a week and throwing $40 in the offering plate. But when you have a good week, all of a sudden it's like, ooh, ooh, mm, mm. When the tax return comes in, ooh, ooh. Come on now, I'm just preaching. But then I got to thinking about how the Bible said it's more blessed to give than to receive, and how that the Lord wants us to be a radical giver and give above and beyond, and how that the Lord has always uh, supplied my need, and how the Bible says uh, that give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, good measure, all of those things. And you know what I said? I said, Hallelujah! I'm going to put it in the offering plate. I can't wait. Grab hold of that lie. Tear down that stronghold and you replace it with truth. But I'm going to be honest. I'm getting ready to get all the call, but I'm going to be honest. Brother Allen, there's a couple of things that I'm going to have to take some time with. That's just honest because I've made ruts in my brain, ruts of sin. There's a couple of things that y'all are going to have to take some time with. If you want to get out of it, if you want to overcome it, You'll have to let the Lord help you with it, and you're going to have to take some time to get over it. I don't know. I, I've got some more thoughts. I ain't preached it all yet. I, got some, I, I may deal with it some more. I don't know. I'm just convinced that this thing of how we think, it is the key to the Christian life. If we want to do better, we're going to have to rewire. Let's stand our feet. Father, thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Lord, across the building tonight, no doubt, there are those with needs. Those that have got a besetting sin. I pray that you do a work in their life. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Our heads are